Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. I'm very excited to introduce you today to the Executive Director for All in Education, Stephanie Parra. Welcome to the studio. Thank you for having me. We just discovered that it was a LinkedIn connection. I think we have Daryl Robinson to thank for that, our former yes. producer. Yes. I don't know how he found you, but I'm very excited because I'm a former educator in Kyrene School District, was for years, Please. both a third grade teacher and assistant principal. Uh, so I've got this love for education uh, and uh, I'm very excited to hear about your organization and how you landed there. So if you would, I would love for you to introduce yourself and just kind of give us the backstory and then tell us a little bit about uh, the nonprofit and, and uh, who you serve and what, what you're on a mission to do. Absolutely. Well, first off, thank you so much for, for being here. And this is uh, was already meaningful, but very excited that you're a former educator. So thank you for your years of service and education. I myself am a proud Arizona native, so first-generation American. My family's from Sonora, Mexico. I grew up on, on the southern border in, in Yuma, Arizona. So I think for me, you know, the a big reason why I'm called to do the work in education is because it was a value that was instilled in me from my very young, uh, early years. So uh, my parents, as um, immigrants, did not have access to the opportunities that I was afforded. Um, my, my father was a migrant farm worker when I was younger. And so he would always, I call it a, a scared straight tactic that my dad used on me, like taking me out to the fields with him to see what hard labor looked like and, uh, and really telling me, like, if you don't want to do this work, you need to stay in school, go to college, get a degree. That's your path out of, out of this situation that I'm having to do. Uh, my father's gone on to be a, a very successful entrepreneur and businessman in his own right, but uh, it took him took him a really long time to get to where he is now. And so for him, he was very strong and firm with us, his children, to pursue opportunities through education. Um, and so that's what I grew up l- knowing and learning and and uh, and now I have the the privilege of um, both leading, as a, a local school board member here, I serve on the board of the Phoenix Union High School District. I've been on that board. This is my ninth year. Um, and I also run um, the nonprofit All In Education. Uh, and we're just over three years old. Congratulations. Thank you. So just now that uh, 501c3 status right about now, right? Yeah. Well, we, we had our, we've had our 501c3 status okay. um, since uh, late 2020. Okay. It was approved. Um, and we've been operating as a 501c3 since December of 2020. And, you know, we were founded to ensure that individuals that are most impacted by the inequities and the gaps and opportunity that exist in the education system to ensure that they have a voice in decision-making and that we're really creating a a more uh, just education system where every kid has access to opportunity um, in, in the community. And so... That's the work of All in Ed. We do that through a series of leadership development programs. Uh, A big portion of our work is around supporting parents and caregivers on how they can really understand the education system. We give them tools uh, through our, it's called Parent Educator Academy. They go through an eight-week curriculum where they're learning how the system is structured, how it's governed, um, who the decision makers are, and really what my role is as a parent to support my kids' academic success. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're learning early literacy support, math advocacy, and really the program, what's been really powerful is the growth and confidence in our in our parents. So confidence to communicate and reach out to my kids' teacher. If I have questions, I think a lot of our parents before coming to us would say, you know, I just, I didn't know what I didn't know, so I wouldn't engage um, and and would really just trust that the system was working on behalf of my kid. Uh, but the reality is, is that teachers are overworked, they're overstretched, they ha- don't have the resources and the supports. And so oftentimes without pa- effective parent engagement, kids can fall through the cracks, right? And so we want to make sure that our parents are really Uh, coming to the table as partners and allies and supports to the educators that are serving their kids. And and the the academy 
is has been really incredible in strengthening that relationship between schools and families. After f- five cohorts, just three and a half oh, years, nice. yes, we have had five cohorts. Over 450 parents have gone through our program. Yes. That's miraculous. Thank you. Yeah, we're so proud. It started off as a pilot project in spring of 21 with 30 families. Uh, We are now running cohorts every fall and spring of 120 parents across 30 schools. We we do partner with Title I schools. Uh, So we're serving predominantly low-income families, a large population of Spanish-speaking families, um, and and again, giving them the tools and access to, to know how to understand the, the education system and really be a part of it. So the phrase, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, kind of shows up for me when you're describing what a disadvantage there might be for a parent who may not have that confidence or even know what questions to ask and gets that phone call or that letter or email home that says, hey, your kid's struggling or whatever, um, or maybe no (laughs) communication until the report card or the next grade is starting. Mm -hmm. Uh, So not that you're necessarily teaching parents how to be the squeaky wheel, but how to show up and be an advocate for their kids. A hundred percent. That's exactly what we're doing. And I think it's, you know, it's so, it's been so powerful because what you said is so right. So a lot of our, our parents, especially in the, in the Latino community, we, the, our community can be trusting of institutions almost to our own fault. And that's what we have found. Right. And it's, really out of respect for the American education system. It's out of respect for teachers and, and, and school principals and administrators. You know, the, the teacher knows what's best, so I'm not going to ask questions. Who am I to ask that question? Right, right. And so what we're telling parents is actually there's nobody that knows your kid better than you. You can help us help your kid. And what's what I a realization for me? So when we started, I started as the founding executive director of All in Ed. I skipped over this story, but it was April 1, 2020, which was a crazy time to leave a steady job and start a new nonprofit. But it was an opportune time because we were at the height of the pandemic. Schools had just closed two weeks earlier, and we were navigating distance learning. And so in the midst of all of that, we scrapped any, you know, traditional launch plans that we had as an organization, and we started with um, an outreach effort where we listened to almost 200 Latino parents and educators across Maricopa, Pima, and Yuma County. And out of those conversations, we learned a lot, right? So digital divide, gap in access to technology, the pandemic overexposure of the community, economic struggles. Those were all things that we knew were going to show up in conversation. I think for me, the biggest takeaway and the one that really resonated and stuck out was there was this massive breakdown in communication between schools and families. So by the time I was talking to some parents in mid-May about their child's education in their native language, in Spanish, I was the first person, to your point, that had been on the phone with them since mid-March. Oh, my gosh. So— Imagine, yes, the rea- like the imagine what the other end of the phone sounded like, right? Parents were just confused in tears, not knowing how to help their kids, and they felt like they had nobody to turn to. And now here was this new young nonprofit that was coming in and saying, like, hey, we're here to help. Like, what resources do you need? How do we get you connected? Let's let's direct you to the right people. And and so again, that to me was like, okay, there's a clear need here that we can serve. And so out of necessity, the Parent Educator Academy was born. And so we have since scoped it out. It has a a curriculum and we have systems and processes around it and partnerships. And it's just bloomed tremendously in the last three years. But really, it it went to show just what a huge need it is. And I, I think, you know, as we think about improving the education system, I firmly believe as a as a an educator as a school board member that parents are critical. They're absolutely critical and and have to be part of the solution if we're going to close attainment gaps and and get kids uh, reading on grade level. Um, and so we we need parents to be partners. And so that's the work that we're doing. You le- you mentioned that you left your full time job to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were you doing prior? 
prior to this, I was doing, I was a lobbyist. I, I was a government relations for um, the Arizona Education Association. So I represented teachers down at the Capitol um, advocating for, you know, more funding, better quality um, schools and, and better support for, for our education professionals. Yeah. And you did that for how long? I was there for about three and a half wow. years. Yeah. So I've my career has taken the, some twists and turns, but really education. I started off as a social worker. For fresh out of college, I was a social worker working with um, vulnerable populations, uh, victims, uh, um, child crime victims, mm-hmm. which was tough after uh, just about four years of that. Um, I went back and uh, I had my master's degree in higher and post-secondary education and so studied college students, how they succeed or, or don't succeed and why. And um, and that is, has just led me to this career of like building an education system that's adequately preparing kids for life after high school and post-secondary ed. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And I'm fascinated and inspired. We so need this. I serve on the board for Treasures for Teachers. I don't know if you're familiar yes. with them. We're celebrating our 20th year this year, yes. which is very exciting. And being a former educator, right, I know how important it is to get those materials, those tactile materials in front of our kids, especially our lower primary Mm -hmm. grades. And the pandemic sure did shake us up in so many ways. Kids who were uh, having to learn from home either didn't have the Internet (laughs) or mom and dad or mom or dad, if it's a single parent family, having to be at work if they were one of the folks who were able to work outside the home for that period of time. And we have a kindergartner, first grader, second grader, even a sixth grader. My kiddo was in middle school at the time, and he's pretty good about his studies. I watched him as I would go off to work because I had to keep working. It's just the two of us. Mm -hmm. The first day I said to him, lights on in your room, hat off, and screen turned on so your teacher and and kids couldn't see you. And being a former educator and being in plenty of Zoom meetings even before the pandemic, I knew, you know, I need to kind of circumvent this. And after a couple weeks— the hat was on. And he says, my teacher doesn't care. Okay, well, let that go. And then I'd see that his lights were off in his room and the shades were down. I'm like, buddy, you got to turn those lights. Mom, I just like it better than the screen. And then pretty soon he didn't even have to have his, his, um, his video on anymore. And I kept thinking, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Like, is he the one making these decisions or, or is what's happening? And you mentioned it earlier. We all have been through a chaotic time. And our teachers, even in the classroom, when we're back in the classroom now, are, are being asked and called to do an awful lot. So much. So the parent advocacy piece is critical. And not everybody knows how to do that very naturally. We want what's best for our kids. And we're being pulled in so many different directions. And when there's a language barrier, in addition to it, maybe even, a, can I call it a culture barrier? I don't know if that's the right term. Sure. Uh, we are doing a disservice with uh, with public education if we're not meeting the needs of everybody. Absolutely. And, I, and you know, I think that really hits home to the, the reason why All in Education was was founded. So we were established, um, our, our founder and board chairman conceptualized this idea, hired me to put a plan together and build a team and, and kind of get the organization off the ground. But he conceptualized this idea that an organization could cultivate leaders to lead and serve in positions of power and influence inside of the system, right? So while we are 47%, Latino students make up 47% of Arizona's K-12 student population, we're only 17% of teachers, administrators, and state education board members. Um, And so when you look at that gap in representation, to your point, language barriers, cultural barriers, right? So if we believe that if we're going to close the opportunity gaps, we have to also be really intentional about how we get more teachers of color, more Latino educators in our classrooms and leading our schools and serving on on boards because lived experience really does matter, right? So I can pick up the phone and speak to families in Phoenix Union. Actually, in the middle of the pandemic, we all rolled up our sleeves. I had a caseload of about a dozen families that I called to check on um, every day mm-hmm. just to make sure it was a, a wellness call. Like, how are you doing? Do, what do you need? And so the former social worker and me rolled up her sleeves and went to work. And I think all of us were figuring that out. And we have often said, especially um, schools and, and, and systems that are serving predominantly low-income communities, we are asked to be social service agencies mm-hmm. 
and we're not equipped to do it and to do it well. We don't have the resources, the systems, or the supports. And so when we talk about the critical need for parents to be involved, it's often placed on a teacher who already has so many on their, so much on their plate. And so when, when parent engagement is added to your plate and you're already just thinking about the classes that you have to teach and the, the prep that you have to do around your curriculum, mm-hmm. it's going to be the first thing that falls off your, your plate, right? So we also really want to see schools and, and systems and, and our, our state leaders really put an emphasis on the importance of like, if, if we really want parents to be involved, we need to dedicate and, and support schools with the additional capacity that it takes to effectively and authentically engage families because I have a whole team doing this. You know, it's not just me. I have a team that that runs this program and 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 partners with schools. And so that it takes uh, investment and resources, but the the tremendous impact that's coming out of this, you know, as a result, I mentioned that we have over 450 parents that have gone through the program. We have parents that are graduating with so much more confidence and, and agency in themselves to be advocates for their families. They're also inspired to pursue additional growth opportunities. So some of them are reskilling and reentering the workforce. They're pursuing GEDs. They're moms who are like, hey, I started a college degree, but I didn't complete it because I had kids. So like, I think I'm going to go back to school and finish that degree that I started years ago. Um, we have moms who are now paraprofessionals working in their kids' schools as teachers' aides and are just so inspired to be part of the change. And that's just first generation. Yes. This is that first set of parents, let alone the impact that they're having on their child as their child is watching them show up differently. Oh, my gosh. That's what we're we, we're going to study that longer term this year to look at what the, the correlation and the connection is to student achievement. Our theory is that if parents are going through our program, that their students are going to attain at higher rates because you're going to have parents that are more involved and and can ask better questions and can provide additional support to their kids. And so on the back end of that, all of the research tells us that achievement will go up if parents are more engaged. So we're going to put that to the test in this coming, in this academic year with the cohort that we have coming in. But you said something and it reminded me of this story to think about like the impact of parents rising into their leadership and and the impact that it has on on our kids. So there was a dad um, who posted just on social media a few months back, it was probably in May, in a full cap and gown. His family was celebrating that he had gone back to school to get his GD. He's one of our parent alumni. And so he was celebrating in a full cap and gown, getting his GED, with his family. And so I think about the impact that that's going to have on his kids, right? Like to yeah. see my dad did it, I can do it too, you know? And so just the the inspiration that they are affording their their children, to your point, like if parents are inspired and motivated, I, I can only imagine what the long-term implications are going to be I'm for I'm thinking their about their children's children. Yes. So I'm not a grandparent yet. I'm old enough to be. I have a 29 and 27-year-old and a 16-year-old who I'm still trying to, you know, wrangle, wrangle the tiger and get them in the right direction. My dad has always said he's here local in Tempe, that there's no greater joy than being a grandparent, and it's a whole different kind of love. I would imagine that as these parents are going through this leadership program, they too are thinking about the legacy that they're helping to create here in the, the U.S. education system. Absolutely. I, you know, we, we just had a conversation um, yesterday. One of the, the programs that we run is called Paquesepas, and it's a, a com- community conversation with leaders in, in different, um, different fields. And this, this year, through that series, we're really uh, um, uh, unpacking the impact of poverty on education. And so just yesterday, we were talking about generational wealth and how families can build generational wealth and the importance of, of that in, um, in the development of our community. And you are so right that it takes one person to start changing the trajectory. You know, we have cycles of families of families who have gone through cycles of poverty. And so what we are when you know, when we know as educators and practitioners in the field that poverty is the greatest barrier to educational attainment, we have data that backs it up now through um, our, our MAPA report 
that we publish on an annual basis. We, we did a research um, analysis, a correlational study on this. And so we're trying to unpack it and, and really have our community understand that it, it's, it is, has to go beyond the classroom, the, the importance of economics and the importance of families having access to um, economic prosperity and building generational wealth is super critical in all of this. And it's possible. It's so possible. <laughs> More than possible. It's necessary. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. And so that, that it, it's been really, really incredible to, to watch our families grow and develop and just just watching their confidence in their own like in, uh, inspiration post academy has been uh, so inspiring, and and there there are so many stories um, that are are coming out of this this cadre of 450 leaders. We're, we call them leaders. Our parents are leaders, yes. um, and uh, and they're going to do great great things. I'm I'm so excited about about the future because it is such. Um, it's so powerful just to to hear updates from them on what they're they're going off to do. And what are you hearing from the teachers and the administrators? I would imagine that they're blown away. Oh my gosh, all the feedback has been incredible. Um, we get so so much positive feedback. I think what I hear the most from from teachers and administrators, school superintendents is like, "How are you doing this?" Oh my gosh, you know, we have the data coming out of the Parent Academy, 90 to 95% weekly attendance and 95% graduation rates. Even as heard of. (laughs) Yes. You know this. Um, Most parent programs are celebrating 50% graduation. So we have incredible engagement numbers. And um, I think a lot of it has to do with meeting families where they are, Mm -hmm. as you had mentioned. Mm -hmm. It's understanding their. where they're coming from. And honoring it. And honoring their background and yep. their lived experience. I Absolutely. I, I had an opportunity to do some work with the town of Guadalupe when I was a teacher years ago. And the best feedback I had from some community members and parents, and I, I went into it very honestly and wanting to help the way I, I knew how. And I found that I was not honoring their community and their heritage and some things, not intentionally. And it was really impactful for me to realize that I have to meet people where they're at and honor and respect that. Not that I wasn't trying to, but in me just showing up, thinking that things had to be a certain way, the feedback was, hey, we'd love the help and let, let's, let's let us help you as well. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's so important that we show up and, and you know, I think this, it speaks to how we approached our work early on. It was Let's listen to the community right. first before making no. assumptions. <laughs> before, but we show up, and I think it's always out of like a generosity of like spirit. We want to be helpful, but sometimes people just want to be heard. Yes. And so, like, let's listen to them and figure out what they need, um, and let them guide that. And I think that's really what our work at All in Education is centered around doing: is showing, leading by example, right? right? So people, as as people are asking us, how are you doing this? It's because we have an incredible connection to our community and we listen to them. We respect them. We honor their backgrounds and their lived experience. And um, and that's really what grounds a lot of our work. Yeah. We have a wonderful new guest. Yeah. Welcome, Gabby. Thank you so much. Oh, we're happy to have you. I'm going to have you pull up a little closer to that microphone just because we call them kind of karaoke close. And Jesse will get you adjusted. I really am grateful that you made time today. Gabby Cardenas is on the board of directors for All in Education. I would love to hear how you got involved and what this means to you and, and where you see the organization going. I would love to share that story. Thank you for having me. Uh, I started, uh, you know, joining uh, All in Education more on the marketing side and in its inception okay. and early on uh, just being a supporter. And then I decided to join as a board of director. Why? Because public public education is really important to me. It's, um, it's really rooted in my heart. I, I have, I come from public education and I know the struggles that parents have. And 
I come from, you know, parents that were very disconnected because they were hard workers. They, I was part of the Latch Kids. Mm-hmm. And really, I saw the vision. I started really, um, all education started really to get stakeholders, um, Latino stakeholders, really um, at a school board level, um, board or region level. And then it really started um, pivoting. Um, I think as we saw with COVID, we really needed to take a little bit of a a reassessment and give the tools to the parents and really look at why we had that wide gap in learning. And that's when Stephanie stepped in and she came in probably in the harshest times, but she at the helm of her leadership, she brought in a spectacular team and I was thrilled to be able to be part of that new era of all in education. And I've seen really what um, has happened under her leadership and especially with the parent educator program, the engagement and the impact we're doing with the public school, with the public schools. And I really, really, it is a passion of mine to see how we're getting the parents involved. It starts with the parents. Uh, I know the kids, you know, we could give them the tools, but if we're not speaking to the parents, sometimes it is difficult to get them through that path. Mm -hmm. Uh, We look at our test scores here, and it's really unfortunate that we only grew 1% this last, you know, test scoring um, with our SATs. And so we really have a lot of challenges ahead of us, and we... We didn't, we didn't um, get our gap any smaller. We widened it a little bit. So, But we, we feel very fortunate that we are able to do this work. We're only one organization, and the impact is pretty large. You know? I mean, there's so many more. I mean, 450 parents yeah. already in three years. Three years after five cohorts, yeah. And yet, when we talk about the the population that you're looking to help lift up and and have it be more integrated, you do have a long way to go. We have a long and way I, to go, yeah. I really appreciate the honesty around the test scores. However, as you're sharing that, that you you probably feel as an organization like, shoot, you know? Yeah. And yet, the foundation is being laid correctly. You both alluded to that, if I understand you correctly, the... All in Education was originally kind of focused on getting more uh, underserved populations into the school boards and, and get involved that way, which is still a mission and, mm-hmm. and, perhaps, and a big part of the purpose. And yet this education, this let me get more involved with my children, let me be educated around how to, to really show up as an advocate for my kiddo had to be the foundation that were laid. I would imagine very soon you're going to see those test scores just going through the roof mm-hmm. because you're building it the right way longer, perhaps, mm-hmm. but definitely the right way. It is still a fundamental mission, but I think with COVID hitting us so hard, we had to make sure that our underserved communities had the connectivity, had the education. We saw a lot of families get hit harder than others where parents didn't even know how to use a laptop, didn't even know. So there was a lot of education and it was very, Mm -hmm. it was really critical that all in education was that platform to educate. There was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of, um, a lot of efforts put into it. And I think that's where we, where we as an organization stepped in to be a source of providing tools and then the tool of education. So it wasn't just, I mean, the stories we would hear of kids just camping out at some of the McDonald's just to even get connected to their passion was to just make sure that they were having access to internet. And so that's heartbreaking, you know, Mm -hmm. as a Latina who, who knows that her, her roots come from, you know, very low income. And to see that, and now we can make a difference. It's that's why I I want to continue to do this work. And you asked the question. It's it's a passion of mine, and that's why this is important work that we can we have to do. Yeah, and we have the capacity technology wise. Oh yeah, right. So the resources are there. We just have to make sure that you have enough support to get those resources in the right hands. Can we mm-hmm. talk about funding? And and this is Business Radio X, right? So most of our listeners are business owners, executive leaders, both from large enterprise all the way down to small mom and pop boutique shops. Where does the funding come from, and how can our business community best support what you're doing? Well, they can be uh, huge supporters because we do rely on philanthropy, both foundation-wise, corporate partnerships, 
um, and sponsorships of our work is it costs us for for the parent academy, it costs us about $2,500 per parent to, to uh, put them through the academy. So scholarships and support that way will, will be incredibly helpful. So um, my main job and, and with the support of my incredible board of directors is we're raising money um, to do this work and to, to continue to, to uh, scale the impact of, of the organization. Um, so it, it does require uh, philanthropic investment. And outside of today's interview, which we hope will go wide and far, how are you getting in front of business owners? What what can we be listening for? How can we help make those introductions? Yeah, actually, Gabby was in- incredible with her um, marketing and business background has really opened a lot of doors for us in this space. Um, we just had a really great conversation with our colleagues at, at Cox. And, and so things like that, just if folks are interested in in supporting, please do reach out. Allineducation.org is our website. Um, they can connect with us that way. But don't hesitate to connect with us on LinkedIn and other social media platforms. We're on all of them. Um, and uh, follow our work and, and get involved. We'd be happy to to share more about what we're doing. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll yes, turn tell it us, to tell you. Tell us some please. of the juicy information from the marketing and business perspective. I think absolutely. You know, I... I really admire the the that all in education is fluid in reference to a lot, to giving us what I'm trying to say is that we're fluid in reference to working with small businesses and how we could partner. So with the parent um, academy, you know, we're looking at ways of how we could integrate like resources. So if if we have a business that would like to integrate themselves in in providing resources, so using it as a platform where they want to come in and provide like a five minute, you know, um, toolkit, they could do that. So that's the great thing that there is there is um, there is opportunities to to incorporate a sponsorship where we're open to having those conversations. And it is it is a it's a great opportunity. And and we're working with different school districts. And it really depends where the heart is, mm-hmm. you know, of the individual businesses. So for example, I have a marketing firm and we try to give back as much as we possibly can. We we just really want to be a part and associate and associate ourselves with this amazing organization. That's part of the reason that I initially started with the organization. I started out as a partner and then I just dabbled in as a dabbled in a little bit more and then, you know, here I am as a board of directors. Kind of get to join the board. We get sucked in that way, <laughs> yes, don't we? Yes. Yeah. I, I know how that goes. I, I mentioned earlier I'm on the board for Treasures for Teachers and yeah. have, as a former educator, I just had gone to Treasures for Teachers to dump off all of the boxes and boxes and bins of supplies I knew I would never use again as I went into business for myself. And in conversations with Barbara Blalick, just being introduced and touring, she's like, hey, we're looking for board members. I'm like, I'm in. And I, I think it's been probably eight years. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so we get really creative. We, we do. We have to, right? Yeah. We yeah. get creative. We love to get, you know, creative around the kids, around the parents. And then we have our annual, you know, um, event. And that's yeah. a great platform Speak to— Speak to that. What is, when is that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. our It's called the—I um, mentioned our MAPA report. So MAPA is the State of Arizona Latino Education, Power, and Influence. So how are our kids performing— academically, and then where do we sit in positions of leadership inside of the education system? And every year, um, our MAPA report, um, we conduct some research. So I mentioned this year's report really highlighted the connection between poverty, uh, what we call the social determinants of education, so the factors outside of the classroom that impact attainment, and drew the connection to poverty being the biggest, having the biggest negative impact on academic achievement. Um, and so MAPA, every January, we publish our report via a um, a big event. Um, we will actually be at the Sheridan this year on January 24th um, over a breakfast event. And we're, we're just finalizing the details on our sponsorship packages. So we will definitely get that out live. But um, it's becoming the event to be at, right? Absolutely. Yeah. It was sold out last year. So definitely uh, we want to make sure that 
if you're in, interested, that you reach out soon. Yes, yes. please. Yes, yes, do that. And we'll make sure at the end of our segment that you let us let people know where to find you. And once this is published as a podcast and not just the live broadcast, we'll have your contact information as well. Oh, my gosh. What have I not thought to ask that you want to make sure our listeners and viewers are aware yeah. of? The the other thing I will share, so I, I you know, I, I talked a lot about the work that we do with parents, but a, a lot of what we're also trying to do, and I mentioned this, is really build up that leadership pipeline. So we actually, it wasn't enough for, for me to start one program in the middle of the pandemic. <laughs> I started three. Um, it, uh, we have a, a program called Adelante Fellows. And so this is for emerging leaders, folks in your network um, who, you know, business leaders who might have staff who are interested in supporting and giving back to education, who want to go through a fellowship to understand how the education system is working and and what their role could be as advocates mm -hmm. and allies um, to us. And so that fellowship is eight months long. They really take a deep dive on, on understanding education and education governance and um, and the role of, of um of bias in the system, the role of politics in the system, and how we can always show up as values-based leaders on behalf of kids. And so that's Adelante. Um, and then we have our Grass Tops Academy for folks who are already in the system. So I might be a board member, an administrator, a senior leader in education. Um, they go through our Listo Academy, which is our Grass Tops uh, Listo translates to ready in Spanish, but it also stands for Leaders in Support of Transformational Opportunities. I was very proud of that acronym. It was a, a 2020 middle of the night creation. I just want to rub up against you and see if I can just get some of this brilliance from both of you. Yeah, phenomenal. Thank you. So Listo Academy is for the grass tops leaders. So now that I'm in a position of power, I mentioned I've been a school board member um, for uh, almost nine years. Now that I'm in this position, how do I feel about the power that I have access to and how am I going to leverage it to make a difference on behalf of kids? Um, and how am I going to use data? So they learn about data-driven governance and focusing on student outcomes. And so that is uh, our program all in all. So from the Parent Academy to Adelante to Listo, we have over 500 leaders who have gone through our programs in three years. Yeah. Been so, pretty cool. So impressive. Thank in you. the midst of this chaotic time where people were not even able to find their way out of a paper bag, <laughs> yes. you're you're just knocking down doors and and changing the trajectory of, of families' lives. Thank you. Powerful. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, we're very proud of the progress that we've made. And uh, you know, you mentioned it. We have certainly a lot of work to do, and the data reminds us that we have a lot of work to do. But um, I think for me, I I always want folks to walk away feeling hopeful. And I think MAPA really does that. The summit event, yes, it's hard to absorb the, what the data is telling us. But one thing we tell folks is like, hey, we're all a part of the solution. If we all come together as a community on behalf of kids and families, like we can do really great things together. Um, and so when you know, 200, 300 people are walking away from MAPA or our alumni network of over 500 is walking away and saying, I'm going to be part of the change. Like, it's really, really powerful and it's a ripple effect. And it's clear that when someone graduates from the programs or the role that they play within the organization, they know how to support, speak the language, get people involved because you have very clear <laughs> outcomes Right. And and the back the the research and the data to support that, and I think that's often missing in missions and and you know when people are set out to change the way things happening. If we don't have the the data that supports what we're doing, both the success and the challenges, oh, yeah. we're kind of just spinning our wheels. Yeah, we I, I have a really great board, and they definitely hold us accountable to making sure that we are improving outcomes. I think it's it's important for all of us to hold each other accountable. Mm -hmm. So we lean into the data really hard. Yeah. We've talked about how businesses can get involved, and I appreciate that shout out because, again, that's really who we serve. And I have, I'm quite confident that we'll have educators listening as well. So from the superintendency to the, you know, the building uh, leaders, in addition to the classroom teachers, what role can they play in bringing your organization to their school? And, and it's, it's, it's not just Title I schools. No, so we have partnerships. We we do um, partner with Title Ones predominantly on the Parent Academy, just okay. given the need and given our capacity. Um, we're still small. We're a mighty team, but mm -hmm. we are nine, <laughs> so we're we're a small team, um, and so. They can connect with us if if we have had superintendents who reach out, 
who are interested in our, our parent academy, I think one thing that we are thinking a lot about as an organization is, you know, we can't be everywhere, um, but we are thinking a lot about how we scale PEA through some kind of a, a school train-the-trainer program. So if folks are interested, please stay, follow our work, get engaged now, because that that's something that we're working on, and, and hopefully we can, we can pilot that with a, a school partner in the next uh, few years. I have at least six introductions running through my mind right now. Uh, you're probably already connected with several of them, so we'll make sure that we do that after the, the segment. Um, you mentioned what an impact and even the lack of Latina within our community, our business community, our education. Why is that important? Can you really speak to our listeners and viewers from that perspective? Give us the numbers again, if you would, yeah. around how many kiddos we have. and Yeah, so I mentioned um, that our, our students are 47% Latino, um, but teachers, administrators, and state education board members are only 17% Latino. And so why that matters, um, I will just use the example that I always kind of go to. So Phoenix Union High School District, the district where I'm on the school board, um, our demographics historically trend 10 years ahead of the city of Phoenix and 20 years ahead of the state of Arizona. And Arizona historically trends 20 years ahead of the country in demographics. And so while the state of Arizona is 47% Latino, Phoenix Union is actually 90% students of color, 85% Latino. And almost 80, 80, between 80 and 85% um, of our students qualify for um, free and reduced price lunch. So they're low income. So we're a Title I district, district-wide. Think about the economic implications. So your audience is business leaders. They, you know, money, economy. If you don't have um, students and that workforce pipeline who are ready to enter the field, it's going to be, you know, we're going to have a, a dire situation where 20 years from now, 10 years from now in the city of Phoenix or 20 years from now in the state of Arizona, almost 80, 80% of our population is Latino and low income. Mm-hmm. So we we believe that, you know, we are, we are Latino focused, but not Latino exclusive. But the intentionality behind supporting the Latino community is critical to Arizona's economic future. And so that is why we have put that emphasis on making sure that our students and our families have the supports and the resources that they need to be successful. And I think it starts, you know, when when kids can see themselves in someone who's leading their school or leading their classroom Mm -hmm. or leading our state, they're going to be inspired and motivated opening up a business. I mean, look at the incredible inspiration here to see someone like Gabby, who has my lived experience, who has my perspective. She started her own um, marketing firm and is incredibly successful. Like I can be like Gabby one day, you know? So I think like that's where that comes from is that our kids need leaders who look like them, who sound like them, who they can see themselves in. And that's where the journey of Colibri Collective started. We really started with the passion to lead in the education space. We work with primarily public education districts. And right now what we're dealing with in the public education space is chronic absenteeism. And so that's the other issue that we're dealing with. And so there's there's the ongoing issues. And and where, where we come in is how do we deal with this issue, and then the the other ongoing issues. Mm-hmm. And it is going to be an economic downfall if we're not educating our kids. Mm-hmm. And that's why our board is committed to make sure that we're educating parents, we're getting them involved, and then we're also in, in, in the efforts of recruiting other Latinos to make sure that they are taking leadership roles in our schools, whether it's even in the parent educator program, Mm -hmm. whether it's a school board, whether ideally board of regents, you know, Mm -hmm. that's, uh, or superintendents. And we're really advocating to make sure that we have the right people in place. So it could be, so we could be fostering those relationships and we could make sure that our state is fruitful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's really making sure that it starts from the bottom up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, I think a lot of it is like 
when we think about some of the biggest challenges and, you know, I'll put my school board member hat on for just a second here, but some of the biggest challenges that we're facing are staffing shortages. And we're, we're, we're having to get creative about how we, um, how we staff schools and how we structure um, the day, right? Because we don't have the, the manpower. And so thinking about what does it look like to inspire our parents so much that they want to become future educators, um, and then what does it look like for their kids to be so inspired to be future aspiring educators or leaders in the field, you know? So I think we we have to, going back to what Gabby said just a while ago, like we have to get creative. Um, but it, it really, a lot of our work is centered around boosting the confidence of, of folks and giving people um, a sense of motivation and a sense of like, I can do it. And, and it was really, I'm, I'm coming off of a high this week. Gabby knows this. We had an incredible mom. Um, she is a, um, uh, one of our leaders in South Phoenix in Roosevelt District. Her kids go are between Roosevelt um, School District and Phoenix Union. They're all, she also has some kids in high school. She just provided her her public testimony in front of the President Biden's commission on the advancement of um, Latinos in, in this country. Yes, they were here visiting Arizona um, and and really talking about um, the importance of, of Latino college attainment. And so she shared her personal story and it was so impactful, so powerful for her to tell the commission that you know she she is getting more involved and she's kind of uh, is is activating on her end she turns to me and she says if you believe in me i believe in me and that's all it really mm-hmm. takes you know it takes our community to know that they have somebody that believes in them it's been such an inspiring journey because we're out here just to be a little spark for a lot of people to say, like, you can do it. You got this. You know, like, we're going to be those cheerleaders. And we're also going to be the people that are not just cheering you on, but getting you the resources and, and the supports and, and the platform to say to this commission, for example, hey, my kids in South Phoenix need supports and they need resources. What are, you, what are y'all going to do for our families yeah. down here? And hold them accountable to that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It was very powerful. Fantastic. Great example. Mm-hmm. Of because we live in community. I, w- I was thinking the same thing. Speak to that. I, Coming from a, a, a very strong Latino community, we, we talked about donations, and I'll, I'll come back to that. Growing up, everybody knew each other. The neighbors knew each other. We did t- everything together. If one neighbor did something, we all did it together. And so that's what we're talking about. It's building those communities and fostering those relationships. And I think at some point, some somehow we forgot about being community. And I think it's coming back to those roots of being mm-hmm. a community. Mm-hmm. And parents are building those. And parents now, I think all in education is building those communities. Yeah. And I think it's a beautiful thing. I Maybe I'm detached because I'm not a parent. But I just sure do care about our kids. Absolutely. And our, my heart's in the right place. I, uh, I don't have kids, but I know what it is to know what a community is and to hear from firsthand from what a parent goes through. I love to hear these stories. They're so inspirational. If my parents would have had more, 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 of, more of this connection, I think it would have been a different journey for me, but I didn't have that. I mean, I excelled in a very different areas, but I, I see that I see that there's many parents that didn't know where to go for resources. They, they don't know still. And you talked about resources. I don't really believe there's still a lot of resources out there. You know, we're still 50th in our nation and pay for teachers. Mm-hmm. That is so unfortunate. Mm-hmm. We, we're still trying to do work that is not even in our hands. We're, we're, we're advocating for policy changes, but we really need to act like an entire community. Mm-hmm. Um, having, you know, the Biden administration, that's great, but we have other bigger issues that need to be addressed. We just have the wrong people sometimes in leadership positions that we can't manage at this point. Mm-hmm. We won't speak on that. Yeah. This yeah. is maybe not the platform. Yeah. Um, but we could only manage what we can. We can, And I think that if we could build these additional communities within our neighborhoods, 
to uplift each other and only create the change that we can manage. I think that's what, what that's within our within our hands. Mm-hmm. And she she mentioned something you said it you know we're in community and that the saying it takes a village um, to raise a child is so true and I think what what's been really special over the last like several months of the work that we that we has evolved um, in the work that we're doing um, in Roosevelt and in South Phoenix is like we are creating a really powerful community of of parents and caregivers who are coming together. We had a, a, a two-day workshop with with parents. We, day one, we had over 90 parents participate in person. And by day two, they multiplied. We had over 150 in the room. And it was really special for a mom to get up and provide a testimonial at the end and say, I'm a mom with a child with special needs. And I've been navigating the complexities of that on my own for the past, you know, X number of years. And now I come here and I just, I don't feel so alone anymore. And so then you had moms who were raising their hand and saying like, I have a kid with special needs and I have a kid. And so they're now going to gravitate towards each other and be in community and share resources and support one another. And it really does take a village. Um, and so I hope that that All in Ed can start becoming and, and, and is becoming that village that people feel that that home that they can come back to. Um, to get the supports and and the resources that they need if they can't find it elsewhere, right? Yeah. Amazing. Thank I, very excited to hopefully make some new introductions or maybe even strengthen the ones that you already have. Um, January is the... January 24th, save the date. It, it will be a breakfast, breakfast event down at the um, Sheridan. I'm there. Yay! Yes, I'd yes. like to come and join you. I, I'm, well, I'm sure it will be a fascinating You'll and exciting it. event in addition to just the data and the research and uh, the yes. trajectory of what you're aiming to achieve in addition to how we can help. I, I would love it. the biggest walkaway is that you'll get to hear the true stories of some of these um, parents and mm-hmm. and then you'll see other stakeholders that mm-hmm. that share the same sentiments. I when that's The data's raw. And, yeah. and that's great. I mean, we all love data. I think that's data is really powerful. But the best thing is really the human element mm-hmm. of, you know, listening to the parents or the impact of the programs or any of the, you know, the listos. And so I think that's where you really walk away and you're like, I want to be a part of this movement. I want to be a part of this community. And I really feel that that's when you get somebody new, they just want to know want to be yeah. a part of it. Yes. Yeah. Well, because we can relate. Just even just this this example of the mom sharing her testimony. Yeah. Uh, and just we all can see ourselves in those situations. Mm-hmm. And and if I can't see myself in that situation, at least I can have compassion and respect for wherever somebody else is and see if I can support. Yeah. 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 Fantastic. You mentioned that you're on LinkedIn. Uh, Gabby, you're on LinkedIn as well. I'm on LinkedIn. Okay. It's Gabby, G-A-B-Y. Cardenas, C-A-R-D-E-N-A-S. And the name of your company again? Colibri Collective, and it's thecolibricollective.com. Wonderful. And you are on LinkedIn as well. I'm on LinkedIn. Yes, they can find me on LinkedIn, Stephanie Parra. And um, All in Education is also on LinkedIn. And our website, folks can find us at allineducation.org. So pleased that Daryl introduced us and made sure that we had this opportunity together. Uh, Count on me for January. I would love to come and participate in the breakfast and learn what I can. And then I just would invite you back again for um, updates and and an opportunity to continue to get the word out. Uh, We'll talk after we go off air about how to take advantage of this interview today so that it kind of spreads far and wide. We want you to use it in any way that makes sense for you. So our marketing guru here will know what to do with all that that good stuff. (laughs) And again, Gabby, I know you both are incredibly busy, Stephanie, as well. Uh, We just thank you for your time and, of course, your heart and your commitment to education and, uh, and equalizing that opportunity and bringing the vibration up. Thank you. So great, of great benefit for all of us. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Work Center right here in Tempe, Arizona. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean education and business. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.